0: Therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord, our God, who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great things, signs, in our sight, and preserved us, I can't read, us in all the way that we went, and among all the peop- peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God.
1: In large shopping malls like uh, Polaris and and Easton, they have these uh, kiosks interspersed throughout the mall that have these location maps that identify the various stores and and their location. I don't know if you've ever used one of those, but they have maps and on the maps they have a dot, usually a red dot or something. Beside the red dot it says, you are here which is intended to make it easier to navigate the mall and to find a particular store that you might be looking for. And I have to admit, embarrassingly, that that doesn't help me all that much because I am directionally challenged. Now, having studied uh, and practiced architecture for 21 years, which involves the design of people flow from one location to another, you would think, that I would be fairly competent at walking into any building and knowing exactly where I am, where to go, and how to get back out. Unfortunately, I'm not very good at that. And I often get lost in buildings. And even looking at a map doesn't always make it all that clear to me. You know, before they invented the uh, global positioning systems, better known as GPS devices, we had atlases to help us find unfamiliar destinations. And Kim always struggled a little with reading a map, but once she got to her destination, she never needed a map to get back there or to return to that destination. She, her sense of direction is so much better than mine. In fact, sometimes she has to tell me and point which way we're going in a building when we're walking along. She said, no, we got to go, go this way. Some of the most tragic accidents that occur on our highways is when someone travels the wrong direction on a major highway, such as south on 71 in the northbound lanes. Going the wrong direction in that situation typically results in a tragic fatality. And I think it's important, especially at this time of the year, to consider what direction your life is going and whether or not you need to maybe change direction. This morning I want to share with you the events of two young women in the Bible that resulted in a defining moment for each of them. They each were confronted with a choice about which direction to go. And the choice Uh, they each made that impacted their lives forever. A young wife was living with her husband's family, which was the typical arrangement in biblical times. Her brother-in-law and his wife also lived in the same household. Her father-in-law died, and sometime later, both her husband and her brother-in-law passed away as well which left her with her mother-in-law and her brother-in-law's wife. And that complicated life immensely for these women, these three women, because without a male in the family, in that particular male-dominated culture, it afforded them very little opportunity to support themselves financially. You know, the only real hope the women had in those days was either to remarry... Or turn to prostitution. The young woman to whom I'm referring was Ruth. Her brother-in-law's widow was Orpah, and her mother-in-law, of course, was Naomi. Ruth's father-in-law, Elimelech, had moved his wife, Naomi, and two sons from Bethlehem to about 50 miles east of the Dead Sea in the land of Moab. And the reason for moving his family was due to a famine that was going on in the land of Israel. And while they were living in Moab, the two sons married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah, which was kind of a no-no for the Jews. You know, but, but, but this was the period of the judges, so there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes, as the last verse of the book of Judges indicates. So the mother-in-law, Naomi, had lost her husband, had lost her two sons, and therefore all of her means of support... But she had two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, for which to provide. She'd heard that the famine had ended. Naomi had heard that the famine had ended in, in Israel. So she decided uh, that it would be prudent for her to return to Bethlehem where her next of kin were living. However, she also decided that it would be best for Ruth and Orpah to return to their own families in Moab rather than stay with her and go to Israel, which would have been a foreign country for these for these young women. And that made complete sense because her daughters-in-law were Moabites. They were from Moab. That's where their families were. So they would have had a better opportunity to remarry in Moab than they would in Israel. One of the reasons for that would be that there probably weren't going to be too many Jewish men who would be willing to marry a foreigner let alone a foreign widow. So Naomi stated her case to her two daughters-in-law in Ruth 1 verse 8. She said, go back home, each of you to your own mother's house. May the Lord be as kind to you as you have been to me and my sons who are now dead. May the Lord give you another happy home and a new husband. And so both here, both Orpah and Ruth faced a a defining moment in which they had to choose which direction to go. To return to their old way of life, including their former religious practices and gods, as Naomi was suggesting, or to choose a new way of life, including the Jewish religion and the one true God. And at first, both Orpah and Ruth said, no, no, we want to go with you and and be with your people. But Naomi stated her case again in verse 11. She said, go back to your homes. Why do you want to go with me? I can't give birth to more sons. I'm too old to have another husband. And and even if I were to find another husband tonight and, and have more sons, it would be years before they would be old enough to marry You don't want to live that long without a husband? Besides, my life has been too sad for you to share because the Lord has been against me. So, you know, Naomi here is pretty blunt and open with both daughters-in-law really thinking more of them than herself. So they did what women typically do. They cried together. And each daughter-in-law then made her own decision. Orpah decided to take in Naomi's advice. She kissed Naomi goodbye. She went back to her family in Moab. So Orpah went back to her people. She, she would, have, of course, have a greater chance of finding a husband. But with the people who did not worship God, the one true God, And as most of you know, Ruth made a different choice. If you've read that book, chapter 1, verse 16, Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And I think we can assume that Elimelech, Naomi and her two sons, followed the law of Moses to a certain degree and worshipped God. They had been living in Bethlehem. So both Orpah and Ruth were exposed then, of course, through Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons to the God of Israel. They were both exposed to holiness. They were both exposed to righteousness. They were both exposed to the true God who created the heavens and the earth. Orpah chose to leave the way of the Lord and return to her old way of life. She chose to go back to a false religion and false gods. So she decided it was more important to find a husband than to follow God. A lot of women, even today, make that mistake. Ruth, on the other hand, chose not to return to her old way of life, because Ruth put her faith in the one true God. She was impressed with her mother-in-law's life and her God. She was willing to take the chance of, of living as a widow for the rest of her life in order to worship and serve Naomi's God. Putting God first is difficult to do sometimes, but it's always The right choice. According to verse 18, when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her to return to Moab. Now, if you're familiar with the rest of the story, you know that Ruth ended up finding a husband, and the man she remarried, or married, was Boaz, the man she married, or remarried, who was a relative of Elimelech, Naomi's late husband, and and through that family line, eventually was born the Savior of the world. So if you look at the genealogy, in fact, of of Jesus in Matthew 1, you'll see both Boaz's and Ruth's name in that genealogy. When you put God first, good things can happen. Back in 1988, I, I probably have shared this with you before, I was working for a firm in downtown Columbus, I was also volunteering as a, as a youth director at Fisher and Kenny, and I, I really enjoyed the work I was doing at, at Fisher and Kenny, and, and I and I really wasn't enjoying my work all that much uh, as an architect. My priorities were changing, and I felt like the the work that I was doing at the church was so much more important and much more fulfilling. And at the same time, it, it caused my interest in architecture to wane. And I decided that I, I, needed, I needed some divine guidance. I needed to start praying about it. And our, our firm was located right close to uh, Broad and High. It was in a, uh, about a 10-story building. And uh, the ninth floor, uh, there were no tenants in the ninth floor. It, it had not been developed. So every day... At lunch, I would go up to the ninth floor and I would spend time in prayer. And I don't, I don't remember how many weeks I did that, but it was during that time that I came to a decision. The decision involved, of course, deciding to explore whether or not I was capable and had the, had the talent to make ministry a vocation. I wanted to explore ministry as a vocation. And I decided that the only way to find that out really was to enroll in a Christian university that, you know, taught ministry. So after talking it over with Kim, twisting her arm, I didn't really do that, but it felt like it, I made a choice to quit my job in Columbus, find a job in Memphis, and enroll at the Harding Graduate School of Religion, and and I then began began taking courses there, and of course the rest is history. And I tell you that just because that particular choice was life-changing. I mean, not only for me, but but my family as well. That choice, I can say with complete certainty that it took me closer to God. I began learning more about God and His Word than ever before. And I know without a doubt that had I chose to stay in the field I was in and not change, I would not have, have the kind of relationship with God that I do today. This narrative in Ruth is simply a reminder that there are moments in life when you are confronted with a decision that depending on the choice you make will either take you closer to God or farther away from God. Your choice of friends can lead you closer or farther away from God. Choosing to marry someone who is not a Christian can lead you in a direction that is farther away from God. Your choice of how often you pray, read scripture, gather with Christians can lead you closer to God, farther away from God. You know, life is full of choices. You make choices every day. You know, you choose what to put into your body, what to put on your body. You choose what you'll do, how you'll spend your time, and with whom you'll spend it. You choose what to say. You choose how to say it. And and a lot of choices are really insignificant. Like, you know, should you eat a banana or an apple? Which isn't going to make a whole lot of difference. Not going to affect your life that much. Other choices are much more significant. You know, like, should I go to, to this school or that school? Or work for this employer or that employer? Date this person or that person? But then there are defining moments in which your choice will change your life forever and significantly impact your relationship with God. I think I've shared this with you before, too, but I know some of you haven't heard. One afternoon, about seven years ago, I was in in the church auditorium in Kansas City rehearsing one of my messages. When I received a call from from my son, Carter, he was living in Nashville. He was struggling with a choice about a girl he had been seeing. And whether he should pursue a long-term relationship with her or not. She was a Christian and was raised in a Christian family. We talked about it for a while and he shared some of his thoughts and I, I shared some of mine. And that was a defining moment for him. It changed his life and actually our lives forever as well. He chose to marry that girl. Something else about defining moments that you need to consider. Defining moments don't usually just affect you. Now, they also affect others. And that's another reason why the decision you make is so important. Any decision that takes you farther away from God and His will is not the right decision. It's never the right decision. The type of that type of decision also requires just brutal honesty. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we talk about following our heart. You know, Satan deceives you. He he can deceive you into going with your heart rather than God's will. In fact, that's that's his goal. <laughs> With you. You And so I remind you of the words in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So relying on your heart can take you somewhere you really don't want to go or shouldn't go. Your eternal destiny is predicated on your relationship with God. How you live your life and the choices that you make in life either draw you closer to Him or push you farther away. In Luke 2, Anna, who became a prophetess, devoted her... uh, She married very young and lost her husband after only seven years. And she chose to remain single for either 84 years or until she was 84 years old. I'm not sure uh, how the text reads there. But it indicates that she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day for years. I mean, the rest of her life. So, Anna chose to devote her entire life to God rather than to remarry. It's another example of a defining moment where a woman made a choice that would take her closer to God. I mean, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7 about how marriage divides your interests. A woman who is not married or a girl who has never married is busy with the Lord's work. You know, she wants to be holy in body and spirit, but a married woman is busy with things of the world as to how she can please her husband. He goes on to say, I'm saying this to help you, not to limit you. But I want you to live in the right way to give yourselves fully to the Lord without concern for the other things. Now, he said the same thing to husbands. But Paul Paul wasn't trying to discourage anyone from getting married. He was trying to make you aware that your devotion to God is priority number one. If you make choices that take you farther away from God, it opens the door for Satan. And and who knows what can happen when Satan gets a foot in the door of your life. There's nothing more important in your life than your relationship with God. And one of the reasons that Paul taught the Corinthians not to be... I mean, that's that's one of the reasons. He he told them, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Because there's there's no fellowship between believers and unbelievers. It's not possible. So if you're directionally challenged like I am and are faced with a defining moment in your life, one where you may be contemplating going back to a place you were before or staying where you are now or maybe just choosing possibly a new direction, I, I encourage you to consider how Ruth's decision to make Naomi's God her God changed her life. If you choose to go back, will it bring you closer to God or push you farther away? If you choose to go in a new direction, will it bring you or will it take you closer to God or push you farther away? And then what about those who are close to you? such as family and friends, how will it impact them? I mean, these decisions should not be taken lightly and and should never be made rashly. And and again, be careful about relying on your heart. You know, there is a, a defining moment that every human being will face in life. It's the most important defining moment of anyone's life. Because it will define your eternal destiny. And that is the defining moment of whether or not to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus has told you in Matthew eleven, twenty eight, what direction you need to go. He said, Come to me. If you've not yet made a commitment to Christ, I this morning, I, I I plead with you to turn to him this morning. If you feel like you might be drifting away, I plead with you to turn around and come back to Him this morning. The farther you go from God, the closer you go to Satan. It's a choice that will have eternal consequences. And to say to yourself, well, I don't, I don't have to make a choice, no choice is a choice. So I encourage you this morning. It's a new year. And maybe you just need to change the direction that you're going. Now would be the perfect time to do that today. To come to Him as we stand, as we sing.